Welcome to the Art of a Messy House podcast, where my house is messier than ever, but I am at my happiest. And the only answer for it is Jesus, where my hope is anchored. Come join me, Jen Kasuda, your host, for faith encouragement, testimonies, and devotionals as I share everyday faith in my real, authentic, not perfect way. There will be stories of humility, kindness, truth, and love as we walk in faith through the everyday relatable moments. As a wife, mom, teacher, and author, I'm learning to embrace this messy but beautiful life while encouraging others to do the same. No matter what stage of faith you are at, you will learn of God's love here and be empowered to walk in your own beautifully distinct purpose right here, right now. So let's step over the clutter together and laugh through the stress, for true beauty is in the art of a messy house. So dear God, please bless this beautifully imperfect mess. Love, Jen. Dear God, what is on my heart today? Let's talk about emotions, matters of the heart. In many ways, I wanted to title this, Anger Opens the Door to Sin, But God's Love Heals Within. So let's talk about emotions, the ones that don't feel good, the ones that we know are not good for us, and yet they come up time and time again, and how they often lead us to forgiveness time and time again, whether it be for ourselves, forgiving ourselves, asking God to forgive us, or forgiving someone else. Courage does not come from compromising the truth. It comes from walking in it. And forgiveness is such a huge part of this journey of faith that I'm learning. And I pray that someone else's unforgiveness does not get us stuck in a cycle of our own. It is a choice. And so what does that have to do with emotions? the matters of the heart, I think of the word compromising. And I think that sometimes we compromise because our eyes are fixed on the emotions or we put ourselves into a compromising situation because our eyes are fixed on the emotions. When I think of that, I think of playing in a sports game and when I used to play sports or just even watching sports and how sometimes the emotions that come when there's a foul that wasn't called or as a player or even as a fan, or maybe the umpires or the ref did not see what happened. Sometimes the emotions that come in can overshadow the focus. It can quickly get us turning away from the original goal or even get the entire team into trouble if the emotion is not controlled. It can turn into an action that does not display our best self or even a penalty. I know life is way more than a sports game, but I think that with those emotions, they can get really intense sometimes and they can start to cloud everything else. It can even cloud the purpose and the heart if we're not careful. So let's talk about anger and even frustration. Recently, I went through a very challenging few weeks and I only say that because God is so faithful, so faithful. He brought me out of it with such blessings and breakthrough that only he could do. I don't know who needs to hear this, but keep seeking God through all the moments and all the feelings. Surrender all the feelings to him, even the ones you are not proud of. Because in the midst of many of the emotions, I do believe God was using that to grow beauty that I didn't see. It is really easy for me to get stuck in the shame or the guilt or the regret and still it gives us opportunities that we don't need to sit there. We can seek God instead. And so 
and seeking God time and time again, leaning into Him in order to see it and receive it, what He is doing, the breakthrough, the blessings that He is working in, even the hard moments. The things that feel heavy, give it to Him. And we know that, right? But what does that look like? And why do we do that? And so it's really about the moments, right? It's sometimes the simplest days and, and moments make for the best memories. I'm going to go back to John chapter 12 and chapter 13, because when I was reading through this, this is really where the message came on my heart during this time. I was reading through the Gospel of John again. In chapter 12, verses 47 to 50, it says, If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. This is a summary of Jesus' mission. He came to glorify the Father, to speak God's words, and to save us. He reminds us of keeping our eyes on eternity and how our eyes on him is where our focus needs to be. We can make the most of the right now, and that brings me to the topic of priorities again, and how we have one life to live. We are shaped by our perspective and our priorities. Earthly priorities must be led by eternal perspective. And I was thinking of those first words where it says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, and it got me reflecting, what words do we know and what words do we keep stored in our hearts? Which ones do we allow to become our lifestyle, our habits? What do we make excuses for? And if we do make an excuse or have an excuse, what is the reason for those excuses? Does my life model faith in action? It's great to know what the priorities are or what they should be, or even to know and be able to recite the scriptures that help us, the scriptures we have to store in our hearts. But what good does that do if we don't put it into practice, if we don't model it in our own lives? And what keeps us from doing it, though, from modeling it, from faith in action? And this reflection limit led me to reflect on the emotions that Jesus felt, like compassion back in John chapter 11 and in general, because he felt it. And I felt feel comfort in knowing that he knows what we feel and how hard it can be. Those emotions that are so hard, like anger, frustration, all the things. When we face something that's unfair, he knows. He knows what it, what seems like nobody else notices that's unfair, the, mis, the misunderstanding, the rumors, the gossip, anything that is not good. I mean, he knows what's good and he knows what's not, right? He sees it all. He knows it all. And so it just got me reflecting on how emotions can hold us back. In fact, those emotions in this world that hold us back from hearing God's word and also keeping it stored in our hearts and minds and from doing it. Oh, the feelings. Emotions like anger can creep in in many ways. I've seen it destroy relationships and a bunch else. Like I started with saying, anger opens a door for sin. That was something that came on my heart during that week that I was going through a very challenging week that was very loudly placed on my heart. Anger opens the door for sin. So what do we do when we recognize the negative emotion like anger? First of all, recognizing it. Acknowledging it is indeed the first step. So recognizing, admitting to it. Number two, recognizing that you don't need that. That is not good for us. Surrender it to God. It's in the relationships, it's in the real conversations with God and the simple talks. We need to remember and reflect on it, but we don't need to dwell there. 
we can't let the routines become the core of what we do. Routines are good, right? But we can't let them become the reason we do it and we lose sight of the fire or we need to keep our hearts on fire for the Lord and for doing what is right. And we need to be intentional. And sometimes that intentionality will lead us to face that anger or that unforgiveness directly. Even if it's at ourselves, we need to face it. Forgiveness. There is freedom in forgiveness. And that reminds me of that quote, and there are many versions about it. The quote about anger, one of them is, being angry and resentful of someone is like letting them live rent-free in your head. The version I found there was from George Foreman. Suppressing it and ignoring it does not allow healing. Listen, I'm tough on myself. I've always been. It brings me back to the playing of the sports and when my dad would drive me home from games and I would just automatically do all the reflecting and then spill out everything I did wrong. And that wasn't necessarily a terrible thing to do to reflect on what I could do better. However, spinning and sitting in it and replaying the mistakes over and over again is. That's not what God wants us to do. I know it's bigger than that. There are greater issues, but at that time, that was huge for me. It's always relative. And I pray that we remember that with others and even with our children. What is small for one may not be so small for all. There are things that we did wrong. There are things we will do wrong. There are things that others did wrong. We can get it out and we can talk about it. We should get it out and talk about it. There are people that want to listen and care enough to. There are licensed doctors, therapists, people trained and gifted in this area too. When we need it, we can seek the help we need. We can talk to people. Like I said, I was walking through a circumstance in a season that really got me thinking about this and what to do after we recognize the emotion though, after we discuss it. How do we fight it in a faith in a way that doesn't just keep having a spiral and cycle back? Do we reject it and release it to God and allow him to help us with it? He knows our hearts. He knows your heart. He knows mine. He loves us so much. We can invite him into whatever it is before us today. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Psalm 147, verse 11. The art of a messy house challenge for today is this. You know that thing on your mind or heart? Pause and invite God into it. Talk to him about it. Make the time today, even if it's only for a couple minutes, to specifically ask him about it. Even if it's a doubt or a worry or a concern or something you don't have an answer for yet, don't hide it. God knows he wants to help. He delights in our seeking and in our trust. On the morning I was organizing this, I was actually preparing it as a blog post, and I was reminded again that God hears it all. He answers. He loves and he cares. Dear God, you know my heart. You see it. You know what is best. Help us. I invite you into this very moment, into this very day. What do I do with this? What do I not do with this? Help me step by step. Guide me. Guard my mouth and heart from what's not good. Fill me with what you have for me. And for the person listening, fill their lives with what you have for them. Thank you for bringing your clarity and your wisdom. I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. He will help when we seek him. If we ask him and if we listen, sometimes it, will, it just takes the simple conversations. God, I need you. I always need you. I need your help. Lord, help me with this. Soften hearts. Soften my heart. Soften their heart. Help work this out. So do we slow down to seek God or do we spiral with it and replay that thing over and over again? Whatever that thing is, what 
we spend our time with matters. So are we harping on the anger or whatever it is, the fleeting emotions, the feelings that are unreliable and the things of this world, or are our eyes on eternity? Our priorities here must be guided by a perspective that is focused on eternity. Our time here matters. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Matthew chapter 25, verse 19. We bury our talents when we waste our time. I was thinking of this parable of the bags of gold and how we can bury our talents when we waste our time harping and holding the anger too, or any emotion that's not good for us. We must be smart and intentional with our time because what we put our time into will flourish. It will grow. We just want it to be something that's growing, a vibrant faith, and not something that's hindering it. So let's do another challenge. The second, the art of a messy house challenge is, it takes us back to the power of priorities, which was in episode six of the podcast. And it was really reflecting on this. What do we need to spend less time doing? And what do we need to spend more time doing? Who in my life do I need to spend more time with? How can I do that? Brainstorm ideas, invite God into the brainstorming. Maybe it will be to have that date with that person, a day that you can, or part of a day, an hour, an activity, something you attend for that person, a sports game, or whatever it is for that person, for that child. Maybe it's even to just call them, send them a card or a gift. Learn how they show and receive love. Is it through words? Is it through gifts, quality time, touch, and acts of service? Learn the love language. It brings me back to the scripture that began this message. It is more than just knowing, it is doing. And that also brings me back to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 21 with that parable of the bags of gold. We need to use what the Lord has entrusted us to use, what he's entrusted us with. We need to use it to serve and to love him. We can't hoard it. We can't hold on to it. We need to use it to serve, love him, and love others. When we allow emotions like anger to sneak in, it not only weighs us down, it can cloud our minds and focus and opens the door for sin. I certainly don't want that. I'm sure you don't want that either. So today, let's recognize whatever emotion it is that's not good for us, reject it and surrender it to God, replacing it with the truth. And this led me then into John chapter 13 and deeper into the topic of emotions like anger and on the blog, I actually put this as two different messages, but it's just one that really has been a season I'm walking through and I'm learning it's probably going to be a season that continue I continue to walk in and that there are so many lessons in it and so much I feel that we can learn when we truly surrender these, even these emotions, even these things that we may seem like they just keep happening over and over again. It just means we haven't fully surrendered them. And that is what the Lord is showing me. So let me read Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 21, where it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. 
After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with the five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And I think of that, well done, good and faithful servant. What are we doing with what the Lord has given us? It's not about the numbers because quite honestly, we all have gifts and talents and time that the Lord has gifted us. We are to use that to serve and love others. And we can't do that when our minds and hearts are clouded with the emotions and with the feelings and with the things that are not good for us. So let's pray. You are our healer and you are our helper. Help us with the emotions like anger and frustration, even fear. Help us. Heal us. We don't want to hoard these gifts. We want to use these gifts and we want to do what you have for us. We want what you have for us. We love you and we want to be good stewards of love and use what you have gifted us to bring you glory and honor. And sometimes it's hard and heavy because we are carrying what we are not meant to hold. So I pause now and surrender that to you. Heal me. Protect me from what the enemy wants to use to pull me away. I draw near to you and I pray that for the person listening right now too. We draw near to you. We know and believe that you can heal and use pain for purpose. We love you, Lord, and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's just not enough to know we must do it. And we must be mindful of our emotions and how anger can open the door for sin. And I'm just recapping a little because as I'm walking through some anger and frustration myself right now, and a whole bunch of emotions that I know are not good. Once I recognize them, I, I don't want them. They're not good, but yet I know sometimes there are things God is teaching me through them. And so going through this season, once again, I was reading in John chapter 13, and in in verse 2, I was stopped. It says the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And it brought me to not only to what I was facing, but also to a question that my kids and a few others had reached out around Christmas time and asked me about the topic of Judas. I wasn't necessarily looking for this message, but it was what came on my heart. Before I read the Bible, I pray and ask God to speak through his word and for my heart to receive what it is that he wants me to see. I pray to learn more about him and his character too. I pray to see him. I pray to seek him. So on this day, this verse stopped me. And so I slowed down to evaluate and study it more deeply because I looked up different versions of it to help me do so. So that's sometimes when a verse stops me or when God stops me on a verse, when the Holy Spirit guides me to a verse, I am learning that sometimes to slow down, I can look up different versions of that verse. So I had originally read it in the NIV. And this time around, I just started looking at different versions of it. And then I was led to the English Standard Version where it says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. And the line, the five words of put it into the heart, stop me. I often speak of that a lot. You probably are like, oh, that's one of the things she says a lot. Put it on the heart. Put it on my heart. 
And when I talk about the Art of a Messy House books, blogs, and podcasts, and everything in between, I often talk about how it was inspired by a time of fasting and reading through the book of Nehemiah. And in the book of Nehemiah, in in chapter 7, verse 5, it says, So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. This is what I found written here. In the beginning of Nehemiah 7, 5, it says, So my God put it into my heart. And that verse stopped me when I was trying to figure out what to do with my writing. I was submitting all my poems to all these different contests and all these different things. And I, in fasting, that was one of the points I was trying to really see God on, clarity on. I felt like he was asking me to use my writing more and to share it. But how? Because there's a lot of different options. And I know confusion is not from him. So in the time of fasting and seeking him, I slowed down enough to be able to seek what he wanted for that. And so in that, that line stopped me. That verse stopped me. Put it into the heart. Put it into my heart. And do you see it? Because this got me reflecting this time. It's about the heart. John 13, 2 has it too. The devil had already put it into the heart. And then I go to Nehemiah 7, 5, and it says, put it in the heart. So my God put it into my heart. So it really got me reflecting. It's about the heart. Matters of the heart. Not only does God put things on our heart, but Satan watches for a moment that we are tired, weary, angered, maybe even hangry, whatever it is, to enter and shoot arrows of rage into it too. He doesn't want us to hear what the Lord wants us to hear. Instead, he makes emotions grow. Instead, he puts us in a compromising situation where we have a choice that we can either allow the emotions to grow or he does not want us to hear what the Lord wants us to hear. Instead, he puts us into or he could use that compromising situation where we have a choice to either allow for the emotions to grow and turn into unforgiveness, division, confusion, chaos, or we can surrender it to God and allow him to help us grow in that situation that is so hard to do on our own. I mean, look at the world right now. I'm sure there's a lot of this. There's a lot of things growing that are not from God. And so I'm sharing this because recently when I was experiencing this in a a more intense way that I would like to even admit, because I'm not a person that really is angry. But there are things that can really trigger me if I'm not careful. And so I felt the anger, and I'm not one, like I just said, to typically do that, but I knew it. And I knew it wasn't positive for me. It was not healthy for me, but it was heavy and hard, and it was loud. So why on earth am I sharing this? Because it does not sound positive, right? It's not just a state of problem. I don't believe in that. I believe in recognizing problems and facing them in faith fighting them in faith. So instead, we have to seek God in those moments. We have to seek him with how to fight it, how to combat it. So in this passage, the devil found an opportunity into Judas's soul, turning him from bitter and away from Jesus to sin. 
but there's hope because there is Jesus, and through Him, we have direct access to God. We can turn to God even in the moment we feel the emotions. We are human. We will feel emotions. We don't need to get stuck in that. We must recognize and decide where we will turn. Judas turned bitter and away from Jesus to sin. Repentance is the opposite. It is turning away from sin back to God. So how did this happen to Judas? And there's a whole conversation here that I'm studying more about as it continues to be something um, I am just feel prompted to continue to study. But what opened the door to turn him from a disciple to someone betraying Jesus? It is about the footholds in our minds and how they can form. If you go back to John chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, it says, Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to portray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. How did Judas see this act? He saw it as a waste of money, when really her act was an act of love. There are moments like this and emotions tied to it. There is a lesson, though, too, and it's a powerful one. But are we open to receiving it? Judas probably felt offended by Jesus correcting him and trying to redirect him. We can get like that, can't we? Judas may also have not agreed with Jesus. I mean, I can imagine he felt all the feelings when Jesus told him to leave Mary alone. Right there in verse 8, it says, You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Jesus was trying to turn the attention of his disciples to Mary's act and its significance, but were their eyes receptive? Were their eyes open to receiving it? Was Judas's eyes open to receiving it? Was his heart open to receiving it? Are our hearts and minds open to it? It goes back to the motivation of our heart. Judas was focused or involved in stealing the money donated by others to Jesus. So by being corrected and redirected by Jesus, it could not have felt good. His motivation was off. It was wrong. It was not right. In fact, before reading this message, I felt like I needed to keep my mouth shut about something. (laughs) And instead, I failed to do so. So while for a couple days, I did keep my mouth closed, stating the simple thing I was supposed to say and then just keep quiet. Then I lost control of it, and I spoke what I knew I should not have. I was meant to keep quiet, letting God do the talking, and after I did it, I didn't feel good. Why? Because I knew I was wrong. I knew I was wrong. So what do we do when that happens? Do we immediately start spinning with the emotions or return back to God? Do we recognize it? Do we admit what we did wrong and repent? So what do we do 
when we become open to the opportunity? Do we become open to the opportunity for growth or do we open the door to sin? So what we do afterwards is really what opens us to an opportunity for growth or the door for sin. We can recognize it. We can repent in those moments, turn away and back to God, turn away from what's not good and back to God. Judas did not do this. For whatever reason, this experience pulled Judas further away, and it allowed a door to open for the devil to work Judas's heart. The words put in comes from the Greek word balo, which means to throw or thrust. So it describes the very fast acting of thrusting something forward, a seed of betrayal thrown into his heart. It can come so quickly if we're not careful. It can create a barrier between us and Jesus. However, we have a choice, and that's the most positive thing, and it's always a choice. We can hold on to the disagreement and allow for it to potentially become a possible deal with the devil, or we can take the thought captive and surrender them to God. There is hope in those times. In all times, there is hope. But we need to recognize it. We need to be open to it, and we need to be available to it. We may not feel good. It may not feel good. But once again, feelings are unreliable. God is dependable. He heals. Take the thought captive. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Recognize it, reject it, replace it. Invite God into whatever it is. We live in a world where there's so much that gets blown out of proportion. We don't need to continue or feed or grow or add to the spinning. We don't need to spin that way. So here is another Art of a Messy House challenge. Last challenge is today, because this is a challenging message, but there's always something we can do. So choose the path of forgiveness, remembering what we sow, we reap. Have the conversation. First with God, what will you have me do, Lord? What do you want me to do with this? Help me with this. It is a choice. I choose you. I choose to walk in mercy and forgiveness, Lord. Help us not leave any doors open for the enemy to enter. Help us see things clearly. Holding on to the hurt can make it fester. It can cause sleepless nights and weary days. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. and Do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 to 27. However, repenting means to change one's heart and mind and turn away, turn the other way, walking away from the sin and turning to and back to God. With all sin, once we recognize it, we must confess and repent quickly because it can add up. Do not let the wounds fester. Psalm 38, verses 3 through 5. God knows the secrets of our hearts already. Do not let the wounds fester. God knows the secrets of our heart already. Cleanse me, O Lord. It was a choice to make. It's always a choice to make, to resent or to repent. And I repent and I pray, are we holding on to the anger today? Is there anything we need to let go of and give to God? Anything or anyone that we need to forgive, even ourselves, lift it up to God. Ask God for his strength to do so and to dwell in the more and full freedom he has for us. Thank him for his forgiveness. And please note, you know, God calls us to be forgiven, but he also calls us to be wise and set boundaries. If someone is treating you poorly or if there is abuse or anything like that, please reach out to somebody for help. There is help out there. Seek help. God does call us to be wise and set boundaries. For you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. Psalm 86, verse 5. And remember this, God knows our hearts. He knows our hearts. If there's something on it that needs to be healed or that's not good, talk to him about it. Tell him about it. Lord, I don't like this. Help me. He sees. He is the God who sees me. Elroy.
He witnesses what we are battling and struggles and all of our struggles. And he comes alongside of us. What a comfort. So are there things that we face that are hard, like anything that calls us out of our comfort zones. And sometimes things happen that are unfair. Oh boy. I was going to deliver this message. And the day that I was going to deliver this message, something happened the day before, and it was unfair. And this this was such a comfort for me. He is the God who sees me. Elroy. He sees, he knows. He comes alongside of us. He is our comfort. He knows what's going on. However, we must pay attention to our hearts. We must give him our hearts so he can help us with our hearts. The motivation of our hearts matters. God guides us to do that in everything. You know how it goes. He equips us with what we need to do, what we're called to do. However, we must make sure our motivation is driven in and by him. I mean, think back to Judas. He walked with Jesus for three years, and did he ever really come to know the real Jesus? I want it differently. Let's seek him to know him. Let's seek him. He loves you. I want to know him. Talk to him and be real. Like, I don't know how to do this. This is hard. I need you, Lord. I long to make you proud, but how? God, how can I do this? That was not right. That person did this, and that's not right. Turn our eyes to him. He is everything that's good and right. So he can help. He will help. It's in the seeking. It's in the surrender. I was thinking about this when we get it wrong, like when I messed up. I I remember asking him, how can you still be proud of me even when I am not my best self? He loves us. He's proud in our seeking. While I can't answer for God, this word was once again placed on my heart. He sees our seeking, even in the faltering even in the trials, and he honors it, and he loves us through it. It's like lifting up a baby learning to walk who missteps and stumbles. He lifts us, as if almost saying, here, try again. I'll lift you up. I'm right by your side. So if anger opens the door to sin, let's us remember our hope and how surrendering it to him, to our hope, opens the door to breakthrough and blessings. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 91 verse 2. Last but never least, it must be noted that anger isn't always bad. It depends what it is rooted in. Once again, it goes back to checking one's heart and motivation. An example of this is with Saul, David, and Jonathan. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, starting at verse 32. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. On the second day of the feast, he did not eat, because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. Saul's anger for David was rooted in jealousy, while Jonathan's was righteous anger. Jonathan was burdened by his father's unfair and shameful treatment, emotions, and plans towards David. David and Jonathan had become dear friends, so this became a motivation and burden on his heart. He wanted to help David. A burden on the heart is often a prompt to start. And sometimes that fire that is sparked is a prompt to do something too. Maybe it's to speak for truth, to shine light, to work for the change that needs to happen, or to do the hard work of healing to help generations to come. Maybe the burden or the prompt is to pray for others, 
whatever it is, may we remember to do it. May we faithfully follow the prompts. May we remember this too. Feeling the feelings does not make us sin. It is when we let them fester that can lead us to. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Proverbs thirteen twelve. We don't fail because we felt it. We are more than conquerors in Christ. We can rise with him and in his strength. We have been given a way to fight it in faith. Therefore, let's remember that once again, we don't fail because we felt it. Instead, we have been given a way to fight it by faith. Can I get an amen? Our posture in the process matters. Eyes on eternity, eyes on Jesus. May we keep our eyes there. May we lift it out of our hands and lift it to his. We are in his hands. We are his. Let's run from what is not good to him. He who is good. Always good. So let's pray. Dear God, you are my refuge. You are my fortress, my God in whom I trust, my God in whom sees me. You are my God. I pray to walk in mercy and forgiveness. Help me not leave any doors open for the enemy to enter. Close those doors that may be open. I do not want what is not from you. Show me where in my heart needs help. Show me where my heart is not right. I do not want anything that's not from you. Forgive my sin. Forgive my resentment. I pray to let go of what is festering within. Bring health to my bones, minds, and heart. Bring health to our bones, minds, and heart. Let us see and love people the way you love them. Help us break the negative cycles and redirect them to be ones that promote love. Help us see things clearly. We want to see how you see. We want to live as you call us to live. Thank you for helping us with the heart issues and motivations behind it all. Put it on our hearts to walk in what is good and what is true and what is all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Art of a Messy House podcast. And thank you even more for being here. Be sure to visit theartofamessyhouse.com to join the conversation, subscribe there for weekly devotionals, and discover some fantastic bonus resources as well. And while that's all for this episode, I hope that you'll follow along and always remember, most importantly, that you are loved, you are seen, and you are known. So until next time, God bless.